This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Wagner. That's the nothing personal word of the day today. As in Jack Wagner. That was all I need. It's just a little more time. Did you listen to the words? Who's singing that this morning? Monday, December 21st. It's Christmas week. Jack Wagner, who I think was married to Heather Locklear. He was a soap opera star. He had that hit song back in the 80s. I love that song. So who's singing it? Raise hands if you know. Are you thinking? Who would be saying to himself right now, all I need is just a little more time to be sure how I feel? Bill Belichick. Can you picture Bill Belichick at the end of a game, coaching the Patriots, winning Super Bowls, being as cocky in his hoodie as anyone could ever be? Loses to the Dolphins yesterday, 22 to 12. Don't get me started. I've wanted the Patriots to have a good season because I thought that Belichick would be able to thrive without Brady. It turns out their entire team sucks. I'm going to lose so many weight to seize on Bill Belichick. They're not going to be as good as the Buccaneers. So they didn't make the playoffs by losing to the Dolphins. Eliminated. Second time since 2003, they've not made the playoffs. First time since 2008. I want to put in perspective the type of run the New England Patriots have been on. It's hard to compare it to any run. The closest to me is the Celtics in the 60s in the NBA. Maybe the Yankees not losing 81 games in the last 20 years. That's another good run. But making the playoffs in football before they expanded, which they've done this year, not easy to do. And you could say it was all Brady. You could say it was all Belichick. Whatever the case may be, that marriage, that codependency that was questioned when there was a divorce before this season where each side wanted to prove that he is better without the other. Well, we're now 15 games into a season, 15 weeks into a season. And what we know about the Buccaneers is they've got a better team than the Patriots. We know that Tom Brady is still a top 15 quarterback in the league. 
We know that Tom Brady is longing for the days of Bill Belichick. Why? He can't stand Bruce Arians. There's going to be something that happens there, Coca. I don't know if we have a wait to see on that, but that is a divorce that's also going to happen because Arians, with his critique of Tom Brady week after week, Tom doesn't like that. But Belichick realized during the course of this season, we covered on Nothing Personal a little bit, he realized that his team was simply not going to perform this year. He's been around long enough to know when what he sees during practice, what he sees during preseason. He knows that he just does not have the quality. So he started making excuses. He started talking about how good they've been in the past and how they spent all the money in the past to keep teams together. Now they don't have the money, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what Bill Belichick will not admit, and I want to wait for it, because if I'm Belichick, while I'm a Hall of Famer, probably the best coach in NFL history, although that may be, yeah, he really is. I mean, I was thinking Vince Lombardi, but it's, it, it is Bill Belichick. It's okay for him to address us, the fan base, and say, listen, having Tom Brady around is something that we were a partnership where he knew what I wanted from him and I put him in the best position possible to succeed. And we had a system where his tools were perfect for the system. Instead, he spends time talking about the eight players who opted out. He spends time talking about the payroll and all the other crap. But why not just admit, you know, when you talk about coach-player relationships, do you think Greg Popovich acknowledges Tim Duncan? Of course he does. Do you think Phil Jackson acknowledges Michael Jordan? Pat Riley acknowledges Magic Johnson? It is so bizarre to me that Bill Belichick has never been willing to acknowledge Tom Brady. They give each other these sort of, do you know when you're told, do we, we used to do this to our manager sometimes? It's a funny story. We would, when we had a, a player who was, we were trying to get him voted into an all-star game, or we had a player who we were trying to drum up interest because we were going to trade him. We would go to the manager and say, listen, during your post-game comments, would it be okay if you could point out some of the good things that went on with that player? Some of the good talents he has, some of the things he did well, we'd wait for a good game, et cetera, so it would not look like we're trying to shove it in anybody's face, but just talk up a player. And managers generally, I can't think of one of the 50 managers we had who would not be willing to do that. Often they would need an explanation and we'd explain why we were looking for that type of uh, um, buttressing of that player's ego in order for other teams to see that. We would have scouts go because scouts back before COVID, they're talking to other scouts, they're going to games early, they're on the field. And so we would have a list of players who were in play to be traded or who were in play to sign, whatever the case may be. And we would give directions to scouts, whether or not we wanted them to talk up a player, talk down a player, et cetera. So Belichick has never played that game. And I just have not been able to figure out why. And I was thinking about Jack Wagner after I watched the Patriots Dolphins game, wondering what it would take. And I think I know, I think if Tom Brady, brings the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. Not a first round loss, not even to the conference championships, even though he'll get a ton of attention for getting the Buccaneers to the conference championship in the 
NFC, where the Packers and Saints are now favored to be in the championship game. But in theory, if the Buccaneers get there, I think Bill Belichick will have that opportunity. And I think it would look well upon him. I really do. It's not going to be a wait to see because I like to win my wait to sees, even though I'm going to lose a bunch of them. And I don't think Belichick will ever do it, but I think he should. Now, as for Brady, by the way, if the shoe were on the other foot, I can only say that if Brady were three and nine missing the playoffs with the Buccaneers, it would be a cold day in hell before Tom Brady would take the mic and say, I miss Belichick. Okay. So we had a wait to see a while ago that the NFL, there'd be no more firings during the season. And it is beyond comprehension to me that I'm going to lose that wait to see. Coke, I can't figure, remember what day it was, but I'll look and I'll have it tomorrow. But I can only say this. We are week 15 of the NFL. And the Panthers have just fired their general manager. Marty Herney was the GM and, and granted, the Panthers were not great. But why now? What, what do you, that's like firing your GM in September. It makes no sense. You may let him know you're not going to re-sign him, but there's no way you make an announcement because you can go ahead and find a new GM even with the old GM in place. And it's not as though the draft is going on right now. It's not as though free agency is going on. So David Tepper thought this was the right move. And this is a longtime employee, by the way, Marty Herney. He'd been with the Panthers. I think Coke is whispering in my ear, so I don't think it's what Coke is telling me. Since 1998, Here's what Tepper said. Do I have this right, Coca? You look at successful organizations and there's a certain alignment between the head coach and the GM. To think that you can do that without some sort of alignment is nuts. So to not have a head coach with some input into that is stupid. Wait a minute. You look at successful organization, there's an alignment between the head coach and the GM. To think that you can do that without some sort of alignment is nuts. So to not have a head coach with some input into that is stupid. Do you think that David Tepper, by saying that quote, is saying that his GM did not consult his coach? Or is he saying that he thinks the head coach should actually have a say in who the GM is? So David Tepper is saying he doesn't want to be stupid. And so therefore he thinks that having a head coach and a GM and a lot. Okay. So let me, let me talk a little bit about this Coca and the importance of a GM and a manager or a GM and head coach and importance of them getting along. It only matters when you're losing. I used to think that it was critical to like the manager. I used to think it was critical to have our present baseball operations and GM like the manager. And I realized that what you need is a professional GM who can work with the manager who we want managing, and they can work together to make the team better. When the team loses, you know the story. You don't fire yourself. You're the owner. You don't fire the president until you really have to. You start with getting rid of some players. Then you move on to the manager. Then you move up the chain to the general manager. There's a chain. 
So what David Tepper's actually saying is that he's out of people to get rid of. So now it was time for the GM, which does not explain the timing, by the way, under any scenario. I agree. You don't want to be stupid, David, but that quote's pretty stupid. Unless you explain to me, when you do your search for a GM, are you actually going to have your head coach? It's as stupid as Ron Rivera being involved in the business operations and in the rebranding of the Washington football team. Head coach in football is the hardest head coach in sports, bar none. You know, everyone says they play the, they play the game and they say, hey, is it what's the hardest sport to coach? It's football. You think Matt Rule has enough time to do a GM search? It's ridiculous. We'll see what Tepper does here. I don't like the timing of the firing. I don't like the quote because it sells Marty down the river. If your GM and manager and coach are not getting along, it's because your team is losing. And therefore, if you're going to make a change, make the change, but don't say it's because there's no alignment. We, what we used to do when there was no alignment, by the way, is we would leak that. Like when Girardi was fired, we leaked the fact that no one got along with him and that Larry couldn't work with him. When we fired Torborg, we said that there was an issue with the front office leaking it. So you can leak things like that, but we would never be on the record. There's no reason to be. Literally. <sighs> Another wait to see loss. By the way, it's not just wait to sees I'm losing recently. And, and wait to sees, as you know, it's not winning or losing. Wait to sees is when I really do think something's going to happen. I do it because I actually think in my heart that there will not be another firing in the NFL after that spate of firings, which happened, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago. Because running a team for as long as I did, it just doesn't make sense. But when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I like admitting I'm wrong. So many people, I was watching something. I was watching Coke. I was watching some, uh, some show hosted by somebody on some network. And in the face of absolute sort of, uh, it was about James Harden. And it was clear that James Harden is who James Harden is. And the position was just being taken that was totally wrong about James Harden and, and whether or not he's going to have a detente with Houston, et cetera, which he's not. And have you ever seen some of these people who have podcasts now who are on TV now or, or on YouTube, wherever they are, and they just take a position for the sake of taking a position. And once they know they're wrong, they won't admit they're wrong because then they have to say they were wrong and they'd rather not admit that they can ever be wrong. So they'd rather always you think that they're right. And even if you know for sure they're wrong, they won't admit it. So you have no way of knowing whether they think they're wrong at all. It's not going to happen with me. I'll admit it every day. I'll also admit that my picks suck. I'm only a game over 500 now. After all that work, there's been 78 picks. Is that really all the picks? How could Coca, that can't be. Coca, this is show 277, and I'm 39 and 38. That there must be some misunderstanding. There must be some kind of mistake. I've waited in the rain forever. Maybe we started over. Oh, Coke is telling me we when did we oh we, we start over when baseball came back? Okay. So we're 39 and 38 because Saturday and Sunday sucked. First of all, I called Coke on Saturday night late, and he was doing what he does late at night. And so I said, just give me 10 seconds of your time. Can I tell 
the nothing personal audience that we have the Packers minus eight. And he said, that's not how gambling works. And I said, well, it was eight and a half, but there must be a place it was eight. And he said, no, it was eight, you lose. All right, I was 39 and 37, but I had the Pats plus three versus the Dolphins. That was a give me because there's no way Belichick is gonna lose to a rookie quarterback because he hasn't done it since Geno goddamn Smith. Well, their, their defense stunk. Tua was fine. Anyway, we're 39-38. But I'm going to pick tonight's game. It's the Steelers. The Steelers are the worst one-loss team in football. There is no reason that they should be 12.5-point favorites over a crappy team like the Bengals. If the Rams couldn't even cover their 17-point spread against the Jets. How are the Steelers going to cover 12 and a half against the Bengals? And that very thinking is why we're taking the Steelers. We're a game over Steelers over the Bengals. This, is this the last Monday night football? I, I wouldn't think so. We're only week 15. I assume we have another week or two. Anyway, I'm going to watch the game and see if it's true that the Steelers can not beat the Bengals by 12 and a half. And therefore I'll win the pick of the day. Steelers minus 12 and a half. So I mentioned the Rams. I, 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 I wanted to lead the show with this until I, until Coke and I were preparing this morning and uh, I'd sent Coco. We had talked a little bit last night and I hadn't thought of playing all I needed at the top of the show, needed that to lead off the show. I wanted the Jets to lead the show. The Jets won a game yesterday. The New York J-E-T-S Jets. The Jets who found a way to lose to the Raiders. They found a way to lose every game. They beat the Rams who were a prohibited favorite. The Rams remember when they were the talk of football? What's their coach's name? Sean McVee or something? Signed to that big deal. He was that young guy, McVay, that young sort of strapping guy, not like the Cardinals coach, but they had that quarterback named Ryan Gosling and they signed him to that huge deal. And, um, I can't remember his name. Goff. Thank you, Coca. Jared Goff, who looks exactly like Ryan Gosling to me. And they signed him to that big deal. Remember all that? Well, the Rams were favored by 17 over the Jets, and the Jets ended up winning the game. I think they won 23-20. I think they were up like a lot, and then they won by a little. So here's my question. When you deny that you're tanking and you're lying because either you're tanking or you're just terrible at your job. If you know you have a franchise altering quarterback as the first pick and his name is Trevor Lawrence, there is only one explanation for the Jets winning a game and not having everyone fired because they won. And the only possible thing, and we'll never know unless Trevor Lawrence comes clean, which would make it a first. If Trevor Lawrence said to the Jets, I'm not going to play for you. I'm going to pull a, a Manning, Eli Manning. I'm going to pull a, I think John Elway may have done it. There are a couple of players who said, I will not play for the team with the number one pick. So the Jets said, why get the number one pick? Here's the reason. A, I don't think that happened. But if it did happen, you still get the number one pick and then you trade. 
you get something for the number two pick or the number three pick or the number four pick. Or you use the number one pick to take someone else. But when you have the number one pick, you are in control. Why would you take your full season of losing and give up that control and put the Jaguars who you know, if you've got anyone working for you who has a pulse, who can fog up a bloody mirror, they know that the Jaguars have the tiebreaker over you in the wrong way. So they're going to get the number one pick if you both finish one and 15. So you can't win. People are going crazy on Twitter. Their executives saying, we told you that these players have pride. We told you that these players want it. They don't like the losing. The players for the Jets do not control whether the Jets win a game. And that's not a hot take. That's a real take. If the coaches don't put the players in the right position or call the right players or do the right things, you could have a team of all-stars and you will not win the game. There's a possibility that the players will pick up on that because they're all very good and you keep losing. But the Jets are not that. The Jets do not have enough good players to overcome play calling and coaching in order to guarantee what you were told to guarantee, which is to finish with the number one pick. You're too embarrassed to finish with no wins. You don't want to be the Browns or the Lions. Who cares? No one remembers. Do you think anyone remembers that the Astros lost 100 games three years in a row or that the Cubs stunk before they got better? No one remembers. No one cares. The Jets worked so hard and then they simply blew it. Is there any possible pro to going one and 15 versus 0 and 16 and getting the second pick instead of the first pick? Hold on. Let me think. Give me a minute, Coca. Let me think. Okay. So you meet the team in training camp next year and you talk about the last season and you talk about the new player who came in and you band together and say, we were one in 15. We're going to do better. No, that's not good enough. That's not a good reason. Hold on. So the media can compliment you for not being one of the time for the worst team in history. No, that's not good enough either. Oh, so you can get absolutely ripped for sucking at tanking? No, they couldn't have wanted that. It's unbelievable. You know, I'll tell you, when we, uh, when I was with the Marlins, I will admit to you that I focused on our draft order and that I made sure that our GM was aware of where we were in the order, even though he was, we were always aware. And we would let the manager know where we were. We wanted the lowest draft pick possible in baseball. We would never tank for the number one pick because the number one pick was too expensive. And even in the slotting world, we couldn't afford the number one pick. Like if we had taken Bryce Harper, let's say, and finished with the worst record that year, we wouldn't have been able to sign him for what Boris would have demanded back before slotting happened. Or Steven Strasburg the next year, yada, 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 yada. It goes on and on and on. And the other problem is in baseball, unlike football, there is literally no guarantee that the number one overall pick is going to be a franchise-changing player, let alone 
a franchise changing player at the most important position. Hold on in baseball. What is that? It's, it's pitching. No cat. No. Oh yeah. In baseball, there is no franchise changing position. There is no one player who you draft who completely changes the fortunes of your franchise. So of course I'm rooting to win as many games as possible to get a lower pick. So our draft bonus money slot can be lower. So we have extra money for payroll. In football, it's the opposite. Top picks more often than not are franchise altering picks. Maybe the Jets thought that Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to be all that. But it doesn't matter. Do you know what people are going to remember about this season? They're going to remember that the Jets don't have the number one pick. That's it. They're not going to remember that they beat the Rams. Ridiculous. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about the Eagles as well. And we're also going to get, did you see what happened with Charlie Woods? Well, one of our listeners certainly saw Charlie Woods. And we're going to review a movie that Coca's friend had me and Coca watch this weekend. It was a documentary, and it's about snakes. And Nicolas Cage is not in it. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. It's Monday, December 21st, 2020. We are going to get to Charlie Woods. I promise. A little Eagles. One of these nights. Welcome to the Hotel California. So we were supposed to watch a movie. You know, I watch a movie every day. I'm actually in the middle of now a uh, series called The Night Of, which stars the guy who is in Sound of Metal, which many of you were watching from our review. So I'll review Night Of when I'm finished. I'm only in episode four, so I should have that done by tonight, I would think, or the middle of the night. I've been up for, by the way, Coca. I was up at three, could not go back to sleep, so I got up and started doing stuff. So, uh, so right now I'm ready for dinner, by the way. But I digress just a tiny bit. So Coca's friend, who I have no idea when Coca tells me to watch something, I assume that he's done the vetting. 
be like when Mike Ryan tells me to watch stuff on Levitard, I know that he's done the vetting because he doesn't want me to waste my time. And Coca has been phenomenal in that regard. And we were told, I was just told by Coca to watch Alabama Snake. Alabama Snake is an 85 minute documentary on a channel. I don't know what channel. I can't remember right now. I want to say it is Amazon, but it's not. It's HBO. And it is about the Penta Coastals serpent loving religious people. So apparently there's a religion where you believe that Jesus is inside you. You believe the devil may be inside you and you use serpents as in the serpent, by the way, the, the, the similarities between Christianity and Judaism, it's phenomenally interesting to me, although I'm not a, what's the word for a studier of religion? Uh, it's a, uh, oh my God, damn it. Brandon, are you there? Anybody? When you study religion, a doctor of religion, anyway, fascinating. The, 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 the serpent gave the apple to Eve and thus sin was born. In any case, Alabama snake is, takes place in Alabama and there's a guy and it's a true story. And the guy's an absolute violent nut who had no chance because his father was violent and violence was passed on from generation to generation. He was an abuser. He was a druggie. He was an alcoholic. He was a criminal. He had served time, done the crime, bad. And then one day, Jesus got all up inside him. And that was it. It's a theolot. It is that, Coca. Thank you. I can't pronounce that word properly. It is theology that is true. A theo theologian, I think I'm saying that wrong. But in any case, so all of a sudden he wakes up and overnight he's praying for 30 days in a row, not eating. He's reading the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and he becomes a preacher leading a congregation. And for whatever reason, this guy named Glenn believes that you need rattlesnakes in order to properly take Jesus in, but it turns out the devil was inside him. And maybe this is where NXS got the song from. All I know is he was charged with acute, with attempted murder of his wife by rattlesnake bite. In theory, he made his wife reach in to the rattlesnake bin. The rattlesnake bit her and did not let her go to the hospital. She's in the documentary. He's in the documentary. Coca couldn't stand it because there were so many holes in the documentary. Like, why didn't they explain to us why his wife, who survived the rattlesnake bites, why she's as crazy as a loon? Why they focus so much on some guy who spent 40 years studying snakes and serpents and theology. It's all very bizarre. I'm not going to give up on your friend, Coca. I'm just going to say that for 85 minutes, I got better stuff to do. But I would like to mention, if you're not going to see this movie, if you could just explain to me, because I'm not a very religious guy. I'm not anti-religious. I'm proud of my religion. I'm a um, once in a while go to synagogue type of guy. Uh, I can't figure out why religion is used to explain metamorphosis, right? I'm a bad guy. I found God. 
Now I'm a good guy. I can't even tell you and, and how many players I've come across who are what, what I used to call God squatters. And I don't say that pejoratively. They were extremely religious, extremely uh, pious. And I saw them do as many crazy things as the other guys, right? It's sort of like when you're the leader of a cult and part of that means that everyone has to have sex with you. We've talked about this so many times. Why is it that every cult requires every member to only have sex with the head of the cult? Why is it that when you find God, you have to be in charge of people and you get people to believe in you, right? It's all a scheme like the Joel Osteens of the world and the Jim Bakers of the world. And you get them to give you money or you get them to somehow believe that you can heal them if you pay or that they can be around rattlesnakes and it's safe. It's insane. And it's not that I'm criticizing people who are religious or who find God because whatever works for you, live and let live. I'm in. What I'm not in for is you making someone else believe what you believe in to the point that it is detrimental to their own well-being simply because you believe by doing something that you have to know is detrimental to their well-being unless you're crazy. Telling them they have to do it in order to become well. Something that you know, you have to know, is going to hurt them more times than not. There was a story in Alabama Snake that he put his hands on someone and all of a sudden the cuts healed like some sort of sci-fi movie. All right, I've got a cut on my thumb. I don't know if you can see it. My hands are super dry. So I'm going to channel right now. I'm touching it. I'm Hold on. Do you feel it? I feel it. It's, it's going through me. It's going. Oh, 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 Christ. I still have a cut. Carson Wentz. How's he doing? He may be looking for God. Probably is looking for God, right? The Eagles, as you know, are a dumpster fire. Did they win this weekend? I don't think they did. I think they lost to a team. They, they had a good game. I think Jalen Hurts started and had his second career start. He had a great game, but it was not good enough to win the game, which I don't know what that matters. You lost the game. It doesn't matter. You're not good enough. You didn't win. They lost 33-26 to the uh, Arizona Cardinals. And uh, Carson Wentz went public through a source, of course, that he wants to be traded. He then, it, it picked up, it was a huge story, and then it, he sort of denied it, but he didn't deny it. Everyone's talking about, are they going to play Jalen Hurts next week? Of course they are. Doug Peterson, and I still think he's going to get fired at the end of the season. He has not decided, or if he has decided, what's, what are they going to do? So what do you do when you've got a star player like Carson Wentz, an overpaid player like Carson Wentz, an ineffective player like Carson Wentz, how do you add value to him in order to trade him? Or when do you bite the bullet and release him? Because here's what you can't do with your star player. Exactly what the Eagles are doing. Week to week. Am I playing? Am I not playing? Am I starting? Am I not starting? Fitzmagic is not a star for the Dolphins. And it was made very clear that two is now the starter going forward. 
and the Dolphins are competing for a playoff spot. The Eagles, who I assume have been eliminated, although I bet they can still win the NFC least, by the way, so maybe they haven't been eliminated. I think the Washington football team is still leading that at like six and eight. And then the Giants and Cowboys are five and nine and the Eagles are four, eight and one. Is it is there a chance, Coke, that I had that division memorized? Because that means I do not do enough drugs. But if that's the divisional record, that means the Eagles, in theory, still have a chance because in theory, they could win out and whatever. But you can't go back and forth with your star overpaid player. What you have to do is you bring them in and you say, we're going to make a change and it's not for a week, it's permanent. Come this off season, we are going to look to move you. Feel free to have your agent call as many teams as he wants. Let us know, even though we call all the teams and even though in the history of sports, an agent has never once brought a GM a trade that the GM did not know about. Not one time. Yeah, we let the agent go look. Absolutely. Go seek a trade. Why not? You tell Carson Wentz, we're going to trade you. And if we can't trade you, we're going to set you on your way. The contract is guaranteed where it's guaranteed. He can feign injury. And in baseball, right, if you can tell a guaranteed contract player that you're not going to play him because no matter what, you have to pay him. You never tell a player who's year to year that he's benched or not going to play because they can pretend they're injured, go on the major league injured list and have to get paid. But in this case, in football, it's such a clear path to communication. I don't know why I have to fight with GMs as often as I did about communicating with players, but I did. I don't know why teams feel as though that they can take a player like a Carson Wentz and not explain to him what's happening, not because Carson Wentz deserves it. And remember, I'm not a player guy. I'm not a management guy. I'm just a guy. Carson Wentz is a paid player, does not deserve to know or not know. When your name is on the board, you play. When your name is in the lineup, you play. When your name is in the lineup to pitch, you pitch. When we tell you to put on the first team jersey and go to practice, you may start, you may not. You better be prepared because anyone can get hurt any play. So it's not that Carson Wentz has the right to know, but either you know how to run your team or you don't. And what the Eagles have proven under Jeffrey Lurie, not Jeffrey Luria, different guy, just like I'm not David Sampson, different guy. Jeffrey Lurie's team is a mess. And it's a mess because of his inability to properly manage what it means to own a team. So he signs Carson Wentz to this deal, which was ill-fated from the moment the ink was still wet. It didn't even have a chance to dry. And it was a problem deal. Don't forget he was signed after a year when Nick Foles had won the Super Bowl for them. And Wentz was this super player. We had spoken about this on Nothing Personal. But he has not been who he's been even at all since the deal was signed. Literally, he has not given them one year. But and now they're just making it worse 
by having Wentz come out and say, I'm done. I want to be traded. I don't like the way things are run here. That's because you didn't take the time to sit with him. It's totally the Eagles' fault. Totally. So when I'm asked about benching your star player, it matters the sport, but communication is key. Okay, Coca, I got to finish the show with the question that was asked. It's too good not to talk about. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. That's a segment we do. It's from Half-Baked, the movie. And people want to talk to Samson. So you get into Instagram at David P. Samson, Twitter at David P. Samson, and ask a question. I'll try to get to it on the show. If not, I may answer it directly at DM or... I may just, who knows? By the way, we have a double mailbag episode coming next week. Two mailbag end of month bonus episodes, special end of year episodes. Get on Apple, rate, review. Tell your friends about nothing personal. So here's today's, so you want to talk to Samson. I really butchered that, Coca, didn't I? I'm so bad at self-promotion, which is ironic because people think I'm so good at self-promotion, but I fumble it. And like, there's a way, there's a proven way in the business I'm in to get more clicks and followers and listeners and subscribers. And I'm told how to do it. And I still screw it up. Although evidence would say maybe I'm not. So you want to talk to Samson. Do you really think Charlie Woods will win the masters one day? Well, thanks for asking. I love that question. So I tweeted that Charlie master, Charlie, (laughs) Okay, seven, eight, nine. All I need. Wagner. Word of the what? We're not starting over. Do you want to start over, Coca? No, I made one mistake. It's not Charlie Masters. You just leave it in the shop. Okay. Charlie Woods is Tiger Woods' son. He's 11. 11. That's it. 11. He golfed with his dad this weekend. There was video everywhere because this kid can rake. And I don't mean like just sort of throw the ball a little like a three-year-old baseball player, son of a baseball player. I'm talking about full golf swing, perfect, beautiful, and the ball goes further than 99.5% of all adults who play golf. And he's 11. He wore a green shirt one day or a blue shirt. On Sunday, he was golfing with his dad in this tournament where fathers and sons or fathers and fathers or some sort of family tournament. I have no idea other than it was for money. And Tiger and Charlie didn't win, but Charlie became a star basically this weekend. And Tiger's protected Charlie since the night of Ambien. And you don't hear much about him, but he is now fully out there at the age of 11 as a potential great golfer. So I tweeted that he's going to win the Masters and he's going to wear red. Guaranteed. So why do I think Charlie Woods will win the Masters? And I have an answer for you. And it made me think about nature versus nurture. And it's a very controversial subject, right? Nature versus nurture. Andre Agassi and Steffi Graf's kid's a baseball player. A good one, not a tennis player. Jeff Conine's son, one of them doesn't play baseball at all. One of them is going to be a major leaguer, plays for the Marlins. 
didn't like baseball at all when he was a kid, by the way. So when you are an athlete and when you are the best of the best, right, which is what Tiger Woods is, and you've got a child, you are going to give that child every opportunity to love what you love and do what you do. The question is, once you give that opportunity, are you going to push that child the way Richard Williams pushed Serena and Venus? Or are you going to do the opposite like Jeff Conine, letting Griffin Conine be a skateboard punk? And I don't mean that pejoratively. Travel, he's great. He was great as a skateboarder. And then if he finds baseball later in life, he does. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Don't you have a responsibility to your kids to see whether or not nature will give them the gift that you have? And if they can do better, if they can take that gift and do more with it. The reason I'm asking is that I got gifts from my family, the gift of education, the gift of wanting to impress them and improve and do well and succeed. I did not get height. I didn't get that gift. I don't think that gift was there to be gotten. But don't you owe it to put your child in the best possible position to do what you did? Do you see the difference between parents who want their kids to be what they never were and never could be and push them to the point that their kids end up hating them and hating that which they were taught to be good at or taught to love? The difference when you are the best and you give that kid a chance. So did Tiger say to Charlie, you're three, here's a golf club. Do you like it? Can you hit it? You're five. Do you want to play with me, son? You want to have a catch? You're seven. I want to give you lessons. You're nine. I'm quite impressed with what you're doing right now. I want to play a little bit with you. You're 11. I'm going to put you on TV now because you're ready. And I believe that you have a chance to be as great as I was, if not better. There's got to be nature involved in that, right? The nature versus nurture debate sometimes has racial overtones. It's not today. Sometimes the nature versus nurture debate, when you separate twins and they meet up later in life and they have similar likes and dislikes, they share a genetic code. They feel pain when each other feels pain. You've read about that and seen that. I have to believe that Charlie Woods had an opportunity that I was never able to give my kids and that I would never be able to give my kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, it is incumbent upon a parent to do the best they can to put a child in a situation where the child can choose a vocation, choose an avocation. Don't choose for them. Give them the full menu and then take the cue. Do you know when the real problem happens with families and passing on talent off the field, on the field? Lindsay Lohan's parents, so many parents of child stars. Kids of actors and actresses who can't act, end up screwed up. Do you know what? 
happens. The parents look at the kids and they see dollar signs. And that is the wrong approach. But you know, it's the only approach that most people have because for them, it's just business. You're going to be good at golf. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.